Hi, I'm Chris, and this is Staking Defense, a series where we introduce you to the builders, thinkers, and innovators who are fighting to keep the future of crypto decentralized. In this episode, I'm joined by Will from Polkadot. Will is Polkadot's master of validators, and he joins me to discuss Polkadot's nominated proof-of-stake protocol, the 1000 validators program, and how the combination of the two can be used to support true decentralized staking. Let's jump into it. Welcome, Will. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you joining. And if you could, we'll start with a short intro. Sure. So my, my journey kind of started, I would say, in 2013. So at this time, I kind of discovered Bitcoin, uh, kind of like what it is, the implications of it. And kind of like for me, there was like at least the, the narrative at the time, or at least like the two kind of sides that people took from this, at least kind of from a, a popular narrative, narrative was like, okay, you could kind of like use this to like buy things on the Silk Road or kind of like do some nefarious things for that. Or you could like make a bunch of money kind of like mining Bitcoin or, or, or investing in it or like those kinds of things. And this was kind of like what brought things to popular attention, I think, at the time. And for me, like I, I kind of just started to look into it's like, OK, maybe mining Bitcoin was a thing. Um, I looked into, uh, OK, you could run run uh, kind of miners. You could like uh, run CPUs, GPUs, whatever it is. Um, and so at the time, I, I looked into like, OK, maybe running ASICs. Uh, at the time, I believe there was like a bunch of like ant miner products of sorts. And I kind of just realized like, OK, these things aren't actually really super accessible, or at least kind of like the uh, risk reward ratio of kind of like putting money into it was just uh, what, what from what I was looking at, kind of not really, really worth it. Um, and, and so kind of just uh, kicked it to the curb a little bit. It's like I was interested in it, but uh, kind of just was a, a, a thought in the back of my mind at the time. And it really kind of wasn't until Ethereum came along that uh, I would kind of took the, the deeper dive into kind of like this cryptocurrency blockchain space. And for me, the, the kind of uh, big narrative or at least kind of like proposition that Ethereum kind of brought to the table was this idea of uh, Web3 or kind of, uh, kind of the, the um, global computer type of thing where you can kind of just uh, have these other kind of like paradigms of how the internet works. And, and for me, it's like that, that narrative and the way that that kind of uh, plays out in terms of the way that the future looks, I think was incredibly enticing. Um, and so I would say it was at that time that I kind of took the, the, the deep dive fully and I uh, kind of did a couple different things in the space kind of like since then kind of worked on like decentralized, ex decentralized exchanges, uh, kind of worked on like crypto funds and those kinds of things. Um, and I, I think kind of like one of the ideas that I, I latched onto kind of like earlier in that kind of journey was uh, this idea. I, I think like Jake Bruckman was the person to propose this, but it was kind of this idea of like generalized mining, or um, I think like Reinser kind of proposed this idea of like keepers of networks where it's kind of like you can contribute resources and the resources can be kind of like a lot of different things. Uh, but at the time, like this was before this idea of DeFi even kind of like came about, but um, you can kind of like run these networks and you can kind of like be an actor in the space that actually contributes beneficial things to these networks and get rewarded for it um, and, and kind of like support the, the way these things actually kind of like operate. And so for me, uh, I, I was kind of like interested in actually being a part of those and kind of contributing to the space that kind of that 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 is in. And um, eventually that kind of like leads me to kind of like where I currently am now, uh, where my role is kind of this like master of validators for kind of this, this Polkadot network where I help kind of both people that are run validators, but also just node operators or just people running infrastructure in general, kind of like in the space for 
Polkadot, Kusama, Substrate, kind of like all of the above. Uh, basically kind of like help them get up and running with their, their operations, but also kind of like um, the, the factors of kind of the, the, the social aspect of this of like, okay, how do I actually be sustainable? How do I kind of uh, be like proposed by things to the community and, and kind of uh, that side of it as well. And so. Thanks. So master of validators. So when I think in the crypto space, first of all, I love that title. And I think I, I caught it way back when. So I'm really excited to talk to a master of validators. And um, you know, I think of the crypto space and you see a lot of people trying to recruit uh, developer relations people. And in some of the work I do, I try and advocate for more, I would call them validator relations people because it, it really does seem like a, a full-time job and a really important job uh, because at least in my experience, curating a, a healthy, supportive validator community is really important. So I'm wondering how much of that goes into the work that you do. Yeah, I, I would say it's pretty interesting just because um, developer relations is kind of like a, a necessary part of, I guess, really any kind of like outward facing uh, kind of company making making products and services for, for things. And so it, even more so in kind of the blockchain space, though, like there's, I would say, a surprisingly big lack of people that do like sysadmin or kind of like DevOps work of sorts. And so like the, the like a lot of people that come to the blockchain space, if they're technical, it's like they're largely developers. Um, a large amount of them don't do kind of like the sysadmin kind of like DevOps work. If you find someone that does both of those, it's actually like, I would say quite rare. And so that's uh, one of the things I found actually quite surprising kind of like working with a lot of people. Um, and, and so I would say like a large amount of people that I've kind of talked to and kind of like come across are either people that are technical or kind of like developers kind of like coming from that kind of background. Uh, they're interested in kind of like running infrastructure. They're interested in kind of like running nodes and whatnot. And so, um, I would say like a good amount of people are are kind of like educating them on like okay here's a lot of some some good best practices on, on running infrastructure and whatnot but um, I would say the people that actually kind of like do come from this background of like this has been DevOps kind of things uh, those people are a lot more uh, it's a joy to work with them because they understand a lot more and it's easier to kind of like say here's some some kind of like guidelines and best practices to work with and whatnot but um, I, I would say it's a pretty interesting kind of role in in the amount of like work required there just to kind of like educate uh, people on uh, how to actually kind of like work with these things. So. Yeah, I can imagine. And especially if you're doing it for, you know, not just one network, but multiple networks, even though there's a lot of similarity between them, I imagine there are plenty of subtle differences that probably increase the number of questions quite a bit. So yeah, coming back, I guess that brings us to, to Polkadot. So one of the things I think about, and I think there are two things with Polkadot that caught my eye. One is the nominated proof of stake, I guess protocol, maybe we'll call it and then the thousand validators program. And these both of these two aspects of Polkadot really caught my eye from the perspective of decentralization and two very active efforts to walk the decentralized walk and, and not just talk the talk. So I th think thought we could get into NPOS and the thousand validators program a bit. It looks like, is the figure of active validators about 230 in the network right now, give or take? So for Polkadot, I believe it's around 300 at the moment. So these are like active validators. Um, uh, just to maybe touch on some things of like Polkadot in general. So uh, we have kind of like a, a cap on the amount of validators. That's a, a number kind of like configurable by governance. Um, so currently for, for Polkadot, this is uh, about 300. And we are kind of like actively increasing this as we kind of like deem uh, kind of like safe and sustainable. And there's a couple of different kind of like factors that kind of go into that. Um, so there's kind of Polkadot and then there's also kind of like, it's kind of like sister network Kusama, which 
uh, at the moment, there's uh, 900 active validators. It looks like the active validator set there is uh, 900 or so. And um, the, like, this only includes like, people that are like, actively running validators that earn rewards, that are actively kind of like proposing blocks, uh, these kinds of things. Uh, there's actually a lot more validators like actually running things. I think Kusama has about like 1,200 or 1,300. Um, and Polkadot is about like 700, 800, something like that at this point in time. Uh, but it's it's kind of like capped by the the validator set size, and this is something that's kind of like configurable by 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 governance. And so, to kind of like touch on the reason why this is kind of what it is, uh, kind of is also explaining what this kind of like NPOS kind of things is. And so, uh, to kind of like compare and contrast, uh, a lot of different protocols these days are uh, proof of stake networks, but they're not kind of solely proof of stake networks. So. Uh, there's like delegated proof of stake and then there's kind of like nominated proof of stake. Um, nominated proof of stake is kind of just like a flavor of this where it, uh, there's a, a bit of some differences and this kind of like goes into kind of like, okay, some of the election algorithm stuff and, and the way that like validators are elected and whatnot. And so uh, basically what, what this kind of like boils down to in a lot of ways is for, for Polkadot and Kusama and a lot of like substrate based networks is um, the way that kind of like elections happen, or at least kind of like the way that validators are elected and why there's kind of like a cap on this. Um, and so there's a, a kind of like hard constraint on this from like a consensus perspective uh, that we need like a static number of validators. And this is kind of like across the board for uh, a handful of different other networks and protocols, um, like uh, kind of just other kind of uh, PBFT kind of style proof of stake networks also kind of like have this requirement. And so you need kind of like a static number of, of validators in order to kind of like do these consensus algorithms. And uh, that's also kind of like a hard constraint for, for Polkadot and, and Kusama as well. And so um, because of that, like we, we require this kind of like hard cap and this is a, a number that's actually kind of like configurable by governance. Um, and the way this, that this actually kind of works is uh, we use this, this algorithm currently called like Fragment, which is this kind of like electoral algorithm that's actually quite old. It's from like the 1800s. And uh, essentially kind of the goal here is to minimize the amount of stake that each node uh, more or less has. And so we want like each node to be kind of like roughly equally staked across the board for the network. So um, assuming kind of Polkadot has 300 nodes at the moment, we want like each of the nodes in this network to be kind of like equally staked, but like minimally staked. So. Uh, we don't want like one to have kind of uh, extreme amount of stake and others to have like a, a low amount of stake. Uh, we want it to be pretty equal kind of like across the board there. Um, and the, the kind of goal here is that we want each node to kind of uh, provide enough security such that it, uh, it is kind of like in line with the other nodes in the, in the network. So uh, in a way it's like kind of fungible, but maybe like, I don't know if that's the best way to kind of describe this, but um, essentially kind of like we, we want each node in the network to kind of like be actively kind of uh, have the same role more or less. And part of the reason for this is because for, for Polkadot, uh, kind of one of the, the, the base assumptions or some of the, the, the features that kind of like we're trying to propose here is um, this idea of like interoperability of um, parachains or kind of, um, kind of individual kind of blockchains that attach to this, this Polkadot network. Um, ideally, kind of like all of the, the security is derived from this, uh, this Polkadot relay chain in and of itself. And so the, the validators for Polkadot are the ones that are actually kind of like validating and providing security to this Polkadot relay chain. 
And so uh, anyone that kind of attaches this as a parachain is, is deriving the security from these validators that participate on, on Polkadot itself. Um, and, and so for this to happen, we, we randomly assign validators uh, to each of these kind of like parachain slots in, in, in a way that's kind of like, okay, every period of time, we randomly assign um, all the validators on this relay chain to actively uh, do their, their validating uh, kind of participation on these different um, parachains. And this is like a random assignment. Uh, ideally, kind of we're targeting about 10 validators per parachain at a time, like per period. And this gets rotated uh, every so often. And so um, to kind of take a, take a step back, it's like we want the amount of stake to be kind of like roughly equal. Um, we don't want people to have like a, a ton of stake here and there and have it be kind of like, OK, maybe one person is providing a lot more security than other people. And so in, in general, it's kind of like across the board, we want things to be quite even. And this kind of creates a couple different paradigms compared to other different proof of stake networks where uh, people, ideal, it's, it's like if you want to scale things up, it's like they don't just increase the amount of stake that they have, it's like they increase the amount of nodes that they run. And these amount, like increased amount of nodes that they run get assigned to multiple different other parachains. And so that's kind of like where that kind of like scalability kind of factor comes in, I suppose. So. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So let me pick one place to dive in. Something that I read when I was reading about NPOS was a quote that said, Polkadot gives elected validators equal voting power in the consensus protocol. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So in this case, well, I guess before I go there, coming back to the, the voting mechanism you described or the election mechanism you described, I thought that was pretty fascinating too, going back to somewhere in the 1800s. And I came across these terms, fair representation, and then that was broken into proportional justified rep representation and nominator stake distribution. So I was really curious. So the way I understand this, for example, if I'm a delegator, I can nominate a number of validators. And then if the validators I nominate qualified to become active, and I'll ask you to actually jump in and help me understand what qualifies validator to be active. What I'm really curious about is how is my stake as a delegator then spread evenly or, or, or fairly across those five validators? So I guess the first question is, what does, what does a validator have to do to go from the inactive to the active set? And then how is that stake you know, taking the example of a single delegator, let's say a single delegator has 100 dots and he's nominated five validators and each of those five validators gets activated. I'd be really curious to understand how those 100 dots would get distributed across those five validators. So as kind of like a guiding principle, we, we want like the most amount of, of dots or, or KSM or whatever token is to be at stake just to provide, to provide like network security there. And so we want like the most amount of tokens to be at stake, but we want this to be like roughly equally distributed between all the, the validators that are currently active, quote unquote. And so what kind of like makes a validator active is, so as I mentioned before, we have kind of like a static validator set size number. So uh, say it's like hundred, just for, for example, uh, we would take the total amount of validators that are currently, that, that have like intentions to validate and we kind of like run this election algorithm, this, this fragment election algorithm. And what this does is it distributes uh, the, the total amount of, of, of tokens uh, in roughly like an equal manner based on uh, a couple different factors. And so it's kind of this, this multi-round kind of like algorithm that um, is the, the goal of it is to kind of like just flatten things out where it kind of distributes things roughly equally. And we would take kind of the, the top, um, whatever set size number and can like cap that as the, the validators set size. So say it's like hundred, uh, we would take the top 100 validators by 
total stake. And those would be the ones that are like currently in this, this active set. And so for a, a person that wants to, to stake, say they nominate or delegate, um, they, they would pick like X amount of, of validators and essentially uh, based on this algorithm, their stake would get automatically distributed in a way that it, it's dispersed to an active validator that's like currently active in the set, but it's done so in a way that that validator's total stake is like minimized to be roughly equal with uh, everybody else. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a bit complicated and it's a bit kind of like counterintuitive for, to, compared to like a lot of other kind of uh, protocols in the way that they kind of like do things. But it, it's kind of this layer on top of things that, that automatically kind of distributes stake, but also like minimizes things. And so this is largely the way that kind of, um, it's not like you choose someone to be like, hey, here's, I, I pick like 10 dots to go to this person, 20 dots to go to this person. Um, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're putting your, your, um, your dot, your KSM, your tokens kind of like in the hands of this algorithm. And that will kind of like allocate it for you uh, to kind of like determine what's kind of like best for the network, I would say. I see. So if I'm delegating, when I'm delegating, am I selecting any validators specifically to delegate to, or is it essentially going into a pool that then gets spread among the active set? So as a as a, a, a delegator, you would choose like the whatever amount of people that you want to, to back. So um, currently the limit of this is like 16. I think there may be a change happening soon that it might be 24 or 32, but it's also a configurable kind of thing. But you would choose like a certain amount of validators that you trust and that you uh, determine like whatever kind of like parameters that they kind of like set or whatever kind of like security kind of like perspective that they kind of like outline is uh, something that you actually kind of like trust. And so uh, you're essentially saying it's like, okay, if I pick 10 people, um, I'm okay with any of these 10 people actually putting my stake behind. Um, it's not necessarily up to me, but it's like, these are the 10 people that I trust and it doesn't really matter where this kind of goes because these are all people that um, I'm okay with this actually kind of like backing. Um, and, and also to kind of like mention, so Polkadot, there, there's kind of this, uh, we have slashing in the protocol. And so it, it's pretty imperative that people actually choose people that they, they trust. It's not just some random person where it's like, okay, like they offer a ton of rewards or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of this, this relationship between uh, like nominators and validators is actually like quite important because like if you choose the wrong people to back, you could like lose money. And so like, like the implicit kind of trust there is actually quite important. So Sure, sure. And we'll come and, and we'll get over to um, slashing a little bit later too. To clarify something you said earlier, so if I'm a nominator and I, and I nominate 10 validators, am I nominating 10 validators from the active set or can they be active or inactive at the time that I nominate them? So they, they can be anybody, they can be active, they can be inactive. Uh, I would say kind of like best practices is to nominate both people that are active and inactive. And so uh, this kind of like goes to a, a couple different things. Like one is kind of just, you want to back people that are um, not really like people that are active in the set. You want to give people like more opportunities to actually kind of participate there. But it, it just in terms of like rewards for a nominator, um, the, so the way, the way that kind of rewards actually like happen are that uh, your percentage of stake that are is backing the, the, the validator is the percentage reward that you actually get back. So say like a validator's total stake is like 100 dots or so. Um, they have a self stake of like 50 dots and you have also a stake of like 50 dots. Uh, you would get like 50% of the reward there, but also taking into account kind of like commission there. If the validator has like 1,000 dots and you make up like 50 50 dots of that 1,000 dots, uh, you get 
whatever 50 divided by a thousand is maybe like one twentieth of the reward there. And so like as a nominator, it's like you want to back the, the lowest stake nominator such that like your reward, your, your kind of like stake backing is the uh, highest percentage of that like total stake there. And so it, if you're backing the people that are like currently in the active set, it's, it's pretty likely that uh, those people already have a lot of people also backing them. And so um, you as a nominator kind of like won't earn as much rewards. Uh, if, you, if you back people that are like currently not active, it's like your per, like stake percentage will probably equate to a higher percentage of their, their total stake. And so you actually like earn kind of more rewards there. And so I would say it, it's like a good uh, practice just to kind of like back people that are, as a nominator, at least like choose people that are both like active as well as inactive, just because um, this gives you like a higher percentage chance of like earning more rewards depending on how this actually gets allocated by these election algorithms. That's really interesting. So yeah, by, based on that mechanism, nominators are encouraged to spread their stake around and not simply pile it into the validator that has the highest amount. And they're actually discouraged from piling it into the validator with the most stake, which to me is solves a problem that is inherent in a lot of networks today because a lot of networks have block explorers and these block explorers still default rank by most stake. So in my experience, what happens is people look at the block explorer, the block explorers rank the people with the most stake up at the top and uh, delegators look at that. They look at the top three or the top five, they find the lowest fee and boom, you know, they make their delegation, which to me is a massive contributor to this centralization of stake problem. So it's really interesting to hear how NPOS starts to solve for that problem by encouraging nominators to, to spread their stake around and go above and beyond that initial impulse just to, you know, take the easy route based on, you know, the top three they see. And I guess just to even add on that, so like the, the validators will usually charge like a commission percentage. So say it's like 5%, 10%, 20%, whatever it is. It's like that, that's the amount of percentage that of, of rewards from the nominator that they take as their fee for providing their validator services. And it, it's pretty interesting in the case where um, say a validator charges like 10%, but they have like a super high total stake. So they're kind of like oversubscribed with a ton of other different nominators. Like a ton of people are providing like nominations to the total stake. Um, if they they have like a 10% fee, uh, it may be the case where someone that has like a 20% fee is actually uh, more rewarding for a validator to back just because they have like a lower total stake. Just because uh, the, the amount of like stake that the nominator provides is actually more so than the fact that it's like, Commission in that sense, like doesn't actually more or less affect the rewards that people get back. And so um, like quality validators and quality people in the space, um, their, their goal is to kind of like have the most minimal amount of stake as possible such that they get in the validator set, but they're, they're still kind of like active. So it's like someone that has like 20% commission can um, outcompete someone that has like 10% commission in terms of just like rewards just based on like how much more optimized they are in terms of that. And so um, e even for people that are like nominators and the people that they choose, um, commission is, I would say actually like not as much of a factor there as much as kind of like, okay, do I, do I trust this person? Um, do they provide like quality services? Do they run like secure, successful operations? Um, I would say kind of like the, the most important factors there are actually kind of this implicit trust there and not like these on-chain factors of like, okay, Maybe this person has like a ton of total stake. Maybe they have super low commission, um, those kinds of things. And so I would say kind of like from this choice of actually like choosing who to back, um, there's there's a lot of other factors there that kind of like 
come into play and those those things are actually maybe even more rewarding there that that is really hopeful to hear and it's fantastic because i agree that well i guess the first question is do nominators and and i imagine most do because they're probably pretty savvy in these early days but do nominators understand that for example is there you know a list of validators somewhere that's showing current current return or or something that that makes it easy for them to understand that you know a 20 percent commission validator that's not oversubscribed you know maybe more I guess, profitable to stake with than a, a 10% commission validator that is oversubscribed? Are, are nominators understanding that enough to make this type of research to choose the validators when they choose them? Yeah, I, I would say yes and no. Uh, like some some nominators are, some some aren't. I would say things are like still somewhat early days for for, for Polkadot. Like it, it more or less just launched uh, I don't know, half a year ago or so. And there, there's still a lot of things to kind of um, work out and, and educate people on. But I, there, there are like different um, block, like um, interfaces and, and UX kind of ways that people can actually nominate that, that do list of things of like, okay, here's the percentage return that is kind of like independent of like commission or, or those types of things. Um, but I would say like largely, it's just kind of like a, a social thing of actually kind of like educating people to be like, these are the factors that are kind of like important here. Uh, just because if, if you look at the landscape of like the way that people actually like make decisions, there's a lot of different like avenues here. It's like, okay, maybe there's kind of like these, uh, these apps that kind of the core team kind of produces. So either kind of like Parity Web3 kind of produce um, or, or kind of like other people in the space get grants to make or whatever. Um, but then there's also like exchanges that also kind of like give uh, pro like staking products that, that give people the chance to like stake with them, stake with other people like wallets, all the, the whole kind of like vast amount of different products and, and UI experiences that people can actually like choose to make these decisions from. And so I, I would say it's like a, a it's moving in the right direction, but like it's still early days for people to actually kind of like standardize. Um, okay, what values do we actually kind of like want to instill in the community? Of like, what kind of like factors do we want people to actually kind of like do to choose their decision making in in terms of like I want to back this validator, that validator. Kind of like what what factors kind of like come into play there? And so it's it's moving in the right direction, but I would say it's it's still early days here. Um, there's a lot of efforts to actually kind of like improve this, but uh, I would say like the whole kind of like it, the important thing to to take into account here is like this is like a, a social kind of um, development. It's like you want to kind of like instill this this the values and the, the the knowledge there more so than like okay here's how to like do things. And so I would say that's kind of like the in, in important factors of what's what people should actually like develop. Yeah, I I really agree with what you're saying, and what you're saying really resonates with me because that's one of the I think one of the frustrations that I've experienced operating a smaller well, being a smaller validator operator for a few years now, in that how do you how do you get delegators or nominators to look behind the total stake and the commission to really appreciate who's behind the validator? And to me, and I think other smaller validator operators, you know, getting to know the operators behind the, the machine could be really important. And, you know, what I hope to do is attract people, you know, and delegators and nominators who sync up with the values that we're trying to to communicate and live through Chainflow. So it sounds like this system has the mechanism in place to almost force people or give people a push to say, hey, you know, do a little bit more research and you'll be rewarded because of that. So that feels really hopeful because otherwise, I think in general, people will take the, or delegators will take the the path of least resistance. And if it's most stake, lowest fee, why not? Because in a lot of ways, validators are operating a commodity service to some extent, but I really think it's the values behind the validators that hopefully people can do some research in and and sync up with as well. But to your point also, performance is really important too. 
And um, you also talked about how, and that was a question I was going to ask, is, you know, how do you, how do you think about performance in the system and how does that impact a nominator's decision on which validators to back? So it sounds like NPOS has, has thought through those things and the base is there, the foundation is here. Now it's a matter of educating people to help them understand how their decisions impact, you know, their return, but also the, the security of the network at the end. So I guess the one thing I'm thinking, you know, if I'm a validator listening to this podcast, one of the things I'd be thinking if I'm not already in the active set is how do I get into the active set? So can you talk about that? Yeah, so it, I would say uh, coming like coming from the space come up from from scratch can be uh, a little bit daunting just because there's a lot of things to learn like both kind of like from the perspective of like okay what is Polkadot what is Prisama what is Substrate all these kind of the, the technology kind of like in and of itself so the first kind of step there is just like learning how do I actually run a node how do I actually kind of like have decently secure operations like here's kind of like some and run some run books I do. Here's how I upgrade nodes. Uh, here's how I like restore databases. Just <clears throat> that whole kind of like tactical aspect of things, which is pretty, pretty, pretty important there. Um, but then there's kind of this aspect of like, okay, how do I actually kind of like uh, gain some kind of like backing of some sort? So uh, <clears throat> there's two kind of paths there is one just to kind of like have the amount of funds to actually get yourself in the active set regardless, which uh, for most people, this isn't really like an option. There's a decently high barrier to entry to actually kind of like enter the validator set just from kind of like a, a monetary perspective in terms of like owning owning token and, and actively staking those. And so I would say kind of the, the option most people take is just to get like backing from uh, the community. And so there's like a handful of things that like, like people can do multiple different things to actually kind of try and propose their, their kind of services for the community. And I would say kind of the first and foremost one is just to kind of like set on-chain identities. So Polkadot has this actually pretty nice kind of like sense of um, actually setting these things of like tying an address to, uh, okay, here's what my name is. Here's like an email address. Here's like how to reach me. Here's maybe like a website of, of things that I, I, I do. And uh, you can have these things actually verified by what we have like an on-chain registrar. So uh, we, we have kind of like, you could set uh, an on-chain identity, uh, but then you could also get it like um, verified. And so this is similar kind of like the, the check mark on, on Twitter where it's kind of like, okay, this person is kind of like who they say they are. Uh, we have these kind of like on-chain registrars that actually kind of uh, check in, in a way that's like, okay, if they have an email address, they send them a challenge, the person sends the challenge that gets sent to their email. Uh, they send it back to the registrar. And so they kind of like proof ownership of like, they actually own these, these mediums of it's like Twitter or email or like if they have a website or whatever. And I, I would say kind of just like this on-chain identity thing is like kind of one of the, the biggest parts there is just kind of like set themselves up for, for people actually knowing like who they are. Uh, just because like, if they don't do that, they're just like a random address in like a sea of other kind of like random addresses. And so this kind of like bridges this gap a little bit in terms of like actually kind of personally knowing who these people are. It's like, Ideally, if people are already a part of the community, um, if they participate in like Discord or, or, or Telegram or, or the different other kind of like forums and channels, it's like you could like identify the people that are also pretty active there. And so I, I would say kind of like what people, or at least like what I've seen people do successfully where they don't have like a ton of stick themselves, but they have kind of like this drive and motivation to actually like be a part of the, the network and a part of the, the communities is uh, just to be actually like pretty active and actually like helping people in like proposing things, um, just being being a part of like ecosystem in the, the community as like as a whole. Um, I, I've seen people like I, one person in particular kind of comes to mind where it's like, 
uh, anytime someone posted a question on Telegram, like, they would be like the first person to answer. And just because of that, like name recognition, this like brand kind of recognition, uh, they've gotten like a ton of nominations from other kind of people in the community. And so I would say it's very much this kind of like ecosystem where it's like you, you kind of get what you put into the, the, the community. Like if people recognize who you are and they recognize like you're, you're pretty helpful, it's like they're, they're help, happy to return the favor there. Um, so I would say that's like largely kind of what I think is like a pretty good strategy there is just to kind of like be uh, pretty, pretty active, pretty helpful. Um, people recognize those things and I, I would say they, they return the favor pretty well. No, thanks for that. To me, that sounds like a, a merit-based system, which addresses one of the other issues that I think is inherent. It at least scared me away from mining a while ago, which was access to massive amounts of capital. And I think in these early early days of staking too, access to capital in terms of a minimum stake can be prohibitive for a lot of smaller validator operators who want to enter the network but aren't able to. So it sounds like what you've described there is more of a merit-based system where People can participate, people can contribute value that may not necessarily be monetary value and then be rewarded because they've built up trust and they've built up a reputation. And then that reputation can be converted into nominations. So in terms of nominations, does a validator have to receive, let's say today there are 300 active validators and the, and the validator set is capped at 300, for example. Would an, a validator have to receive a total set of nominations that's greater than the lowest set of nominations in the active set in order to break into the active set? Yep, um, exactly. And so they have to be higher than like the lowest stake uh, validator to actually be be active there. So say like the lowest stake validator is at like, I know, 100 dots or whatever, they have to be at like 100.01 or whatever to be to be active there. Great. In terms of nominations, not necessarily stake that they own themselves. Well, in terms of like, in terms of total stake, which is like their self stake plus the the nominator stake. Got it. Yeah. And that's helpful too, because it's not as if they have to buy in to the network with their own own stake. They can, again, convert effort into nominations like you described. Oh, yeah. So I think that's a good segue into the Thousand Validator program. Maybe if you could give a brief introduction to that, and then I'd like to organize the conversation around the two problems to solve that I read when I read the description. So if I could turn it over to you to give a brief introduction of the Thousand Validators program. Sure. So Thousand Validators program. Um, so randomly one day, uh, I was kind of just pinged on uh, matrix that like from from uh, Gavin Woods, like the, the founder and CTO of um, Parity and Web3 Foundation. Uh, he was like, hey, uh, work on this thing. And he's, he's kind of like outlined some, some ideas and some rules here. And it, it seemed like it was kind of just like a, very much like a gamified version of um, like a protocol on top of a protocol. So what this is, is essentially a way to actually provide like nominations or at least kind of like subsidized nominations from uh, Web3 Foundation as well as Parity uh, for kind of people that abide by a bunch of kind of like rules. Um, and, and it's like these rules aren't anything kind of like super prohibitive. Um, the rules are more or less kind of just like best practice in a lot of ways. And so uh, there's a handful of things where it's kind of like, okay, they need kind of like a minimum amount of self-stake just so they have like a little bit of stake in, stake in, the, or skin in the game where it's kind of like uh, for Kusama, it's about 50 KSM and uh, for Polkadot, um, it, it's a bit higher, but like we, we allow people uh, that are kind of like, that don't reach this like self-stake amount, but um, it's kind of like also this merit-based system where it's like if they provide uh, kind of like reasonable trust in, in a lot of different ways. It's like we kind of like accept them to this. Uh, but the idea is that like we kind of like have people 
fulfill a bunch of these requirements where they set non-chain identity. Uh, they have commission that's like in a pretty reasonable range. Uh, they update their, their client on time. Um, they have kind of like reasonable kind of like uptime requirements. Um, a, a handful of these things, like if they abide by these rules, uh, they're eligible for kind of like nominations from Parity and the Web3 Foundation. And the goal here is just to kind of like have people uh, not necessarily, uh, so if they're just kind of starting out, like the, the biggest prohibitive thing is like they need a bunch of stake, total stake to actually kind of like get in the active validator set. And if they're kind of just starting out, if they don't really have like a ton of experience, if they're a super like independent person that's like decently new to the space, um, it's really hard to actually kind of like gain that trust in the community. And so this is kind of like a stepping stone to actually kind of like get them in the active validator set to actually kind of like get them to actually have um, active uh, operations where uh, they're kind of like funded or at least kind of like subsidized from um, Web3 Foundation in, in Parity. And so this kind of like gives them this opportunity to kind of like be uh, active in this validator set. And from here, it's like they can kind of like do the, the legwork then of then kind of like, uh, I don't know, promoting their brand, their, their reputation of kind of like their, their validator services, whether it be kind of like helping other people in the community, whether it's like maybe they have like a website, maybe they kind of like things on Twitter or Reddit or whatever it may be. Um, it kind of just gives them this platform then to actually kind of uh, promote their services then to actually kind of like get those uh, additional kind of like nominations to actually be self-sustaining then. So like the, the goal is to actually kind of like take people from being um, not self-sustaining to be self-sustaining. And so uh, it, it's kind of like providing a bunch of nominations kind of like in this meantime to actually kind of like put them in a place where uh, they could then do the work to actually kind of like get to that point. I see. And that was one of the points that I wanted to highlight here. You've already gotten there. So I'll um, add a little bit more context and ask a couple questions. Yeah. I mean, what I read was to quote, another common problem is the inability of independent validators to gain enough support to thrive. And then nominators need to trust the validator they back. Therefore, a good reputation is invaluable in the ecosystem. So I think what I hear you saying is one of the ways the Thousand Validators program can help solve for that also is in that you're essentially kickstarting a validator's operation. And then once a validator can get into the active set, they can start to build a reputation as in a more visible way than they could. If they were to start from scratch, like you said, by maybe trying to be the first one to respond to, you know, every telegram question. So it, it seems like this is a way to boost the visibility of more validators, both through getting into the active set alone, which boosts visibility and maybe having a nod of trust from the Web3 Foundation as well. Exactly. And so I think kind of this, this is like a stepping stone to like kind of put people in a, in a good place. And um, as it's like another example, like people have then kind of started to do other things in the space. So I know people have like started to make like services for database backups, which is actually super quite useful. Like I use this myself personally in a lot of ways. It's like people can then kind of like branch out and do their own things and kind of like further kind of develop their own brand reputation from this that kind of gets more well known by the, the, the community. And so uh, it's kind of like a good stepping stone for, for people to actually kind of like branch out and kind of like it, it enhance their operations. from. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas it, it, I imagine it's it's more difficult, not impossible, but more difficult to try and gain the trust of, um, of nominators if you don't really have a track record to point back on. So this essentially gives you the ability to, to build up that track record. Okay. The one thing I do see, you know, I would say that, you know, it seems like, especially, you know, given the current bull run that we're in, the self-stake of the 10,000 dots seems to be a pretty, pretty high barrier to entry right now. But what I think I also heard you say is that if you make this case for good intentions, there'll be significant consideration paid to, 
to validators who may not have that 10,000 dot stash. Exactly. And so like I did like kind of the, the guiding principle that we we want there is for people just to be actually like quite serious about kind of like what they're doing. And so uh, kind of like one just filter there is like, okay, if people have like a lot of, at least kind of like a, a decent amount of self stake there, like the, just for, for some context, like currently it's like the active, uh, or at least the amount to be in the active set is about like 1.6 million dots. And so it's like 10,000 dots compared to like that amount of dots is, is not quite a lot. It's still a lot in terms of like uh, monetary value, but like we want people to have like skin in the game um, or at least kind of like take things quite seriously. And just, just to kind of like mentioned before, it's like they're slashing in the protocol. And so uh, the, there's kind of like a risk from like the Web3 Foundation parody kind of side of things of like, uh, we just kind of want to hedge our risk in terms of like backing people that like may not take things uh, as seriously where it's like they have the chance of actually kind of like getting slashed, that kind of thing. And so uh, this is kind of like a, a first kind of like filtering mechanism, um, but um, as it is kind of like, this is uh, just a way to actually kind of uh, ensure that people actually kind of like take their thing, their, their operations like quite, quite seriously. And so uh, we, we also kind of like admit people that kind of like submit these uh, what we call them as like cases for good intentions where it's kind of like they um, ideally kind of like outline um, kind of like what they've been up to in the space like do they run validators and other ecosystems um, do they kind of like provide other kind of like services do they kind of like uh, make products or, or services that that are are useful in other kind of like contexts here and uh, basically it's like for web3 foundation it's kind of like for these kind of like subsidized uh, nominations the, the more the people can like succeed in actually being self-sustaining, it's like the less risk there is for uh, these kind of like subsidized nominations. And so uh, ideally it's kind of like just hedging that risk in a way that's kind of like, if we can have people be either self-sustaining where it's like they have a decent amount of like self-stake or if they're like appealing to the community because of their kind of like contributions of, I don't know, either like helping other people, maybe they run validators in other ecosystems, uh, maybe they make like tools or services or, or those kinds of things. Um, that's ideally kind of just like what we're looking for. And it, it's very much kind of like a, a blurry sub subjective thing that we kind of like admit, admit people based on this. Uh, but I would say like, that's kind of the main factor that we're like looking for there is kind of just like, can, can people pro prove that they have like good intentions in this space in the space and they're not just kind of like this, this person that spins things up out of nowhere. They don't really have a lot of experience. Uh, we want people to like at least have a little bit of experience and kind of like know what they're doing just to like limit this kind of like slashing risk there. I see. And for context, what are the current slashing parameters if you have them off the top of your head? So there's some like formulas for these, but it very much depends on uh, the amount of validators that are also kind of um, either equivocating or that are also offline compared to like the validator set size. And so we have this like idea of um, kind of like super linear slashing where it's like the more validators that actually kind of get slashed at once, um, the higher the kind of like slash amount is. And so this is kind of like to, to kind of prevent people from having a lot of like correlated things. Uh, it's like they have all, if they have all their infrastructure on GCP, for example, and GCP goes down, um, this is like not good for the network in general. And so we try and penalize that like a lot more. Um, but it, it very much depends on kind of like how many other people are also like equivocating or um, kind of like liveness slashing it at once. But um, in kind of like isolated incidents, I believe this is like under 1% of a slash, but uh, still still a bit concerning because it's like 1% of like I don't know, 1 million is still a decent, decent chunk of change. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to get to because yeah, if you're talking about 
you know, if the foundation's talking about delegating enough to get into the active set, which is over a million dots, yeah, 1% of whatever that number is, is still a pretty big number. So I understand. I think I understand better now that 10,000 dot, I could call it maybe like a soft requirement in that, yeah, you're, you're trying to prevent people from coming in, maybe turning, turning on a laptop one day and getting bored and shutting their laptop down and never looking at this thing again or doing the same with a VPS or whatever the case may be. So it's more a filter based on intentionality than it is necessarily trying to screen people for certain levels of capital access. Yeah. And I'd be curious if, if these numbers are numbers that you're sharing, but, um, do you have an idea of how many validators you've approved through the program, how close you're getting to that thousand validators? Yeah. So for Kusama, it, as I mentioned, kind of like the current validator set size is about like 900. Um, so far, I believe there's about like 275 nodes in this program total, which is actually like pretty, pretty good. It's like over a quarter of that, which is quite nice. Uh, I believe for, for Polkadot, uh, there's about like 30 or so nodes that are like currently active in this, this thousand dollars program of this like 300, um, validator set size. There's, um, about like 70 total applications for this Polkadot program that, um, so kind of have to go through and kind of do on this kind of case by case basis for, for things. And so I, I would say for kind of like in both cases, it's it's more than like a 10th of, of the network that are like participating in this. And the goal there is like mostly to have people like reach a state where they're self-sustaining. So people ideally like graduate from this program where it's like they're not just kind of like reliant on um, nominations from like Web3 Foundation, for example. Uh, and, and so like there's a, like, a handful of people that have actually kind of like gotten to this stage, uh, but we're still kind of like figuring out like, okay, what does actually like self-standing means? Like if we kind of take away these nominations, like how do we actually kind of like determine that like they're kind of like like well off on their own enough? And so these are kind of like the next problems to solve here, but I would say um, good amount of people that are actively, actively joining. Um, personally, it's like I, I've seen between maybe it's like one in five people actually applying to this like per day now. And so it's pretty, it's getting a lot of traction just from um, a lot of like everyday average people, which is actually uh, quite quite exci exciting to see, just like have more people kind of like run things in space, um, have things be a lot more decentralized there. Uh, just because like, we don't want it to be the case where like Polkadot or networks like this are the case where it's like, oh, okay, maybe three big entities are, are running like 90% of the nodes in the space. Like that would defeat the purpose of like all this, I think. And so, uh, actively trying to contribute to to backing more people and have them be kind of like self-sustaining, I think is kind of like the direction that we're 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 going in, the, the values that we're trying to do here. And so, uh, I think we're we're doing well in that direction. There's still a lot of work to be done, but pretty excited to to see what what comes next. Yeah, and I think the foundation that I'm taking away from this is that, right? I should say there are a lot of foundational aspects set up within the NPOS system to or the NPOS protocol to actually you know address some of the problems that we're seeing on you know, regularly delegated proof of stake networks today. And that if there are qualified system operators who are interested in validating on Polkadot, it sounds like the, the door is still open. And the best way to do that would be to, you know, get involved in the community, show that you can contribute value to the community, and then apply to the thousand validators program once you feel like you have a case for good intentions, if you're not able to reach, well, even if you are able to reach, I guess, the 10,000 dot minimum. And then from there, it sounds like there's a decent chance that eventually a validator could break into the active set and that they don't necessarily have to be scared away by that 1.6 million dot minimum that I think in a delegated proof of stake system would probably scare a lot of people away. Yeah. And, and I also kind of like add on to that. Um, it's, it's like, there's kind of like levels to this though. So like Polkadot is kind of like one, one aspect of this, but uh, Kusama being kind of like this network to, to Polkadot, 
uh, there it's kind of like there's a lot lower stakes to things. So uh, the the barrier for entry for participation is like a lot less. And so we kind of like see this progression of both like people that run nodes, that run validators, that do infrastructure things. Uh, they, they first kind of like participate in, in Kusama and then they move on to, to Polkadot. And this goes for kind of like both people that are like building uh, blockchains that are building kind of like parachains and, and other kind of like applications. Uh, Kusama is kind of like this, this kind of like um, canary network as we call it. And, and so kind of like the participation, like the barrier for participation there is like a lot lower. And so I, I would say kind of like, that, that, that is the, the first place to start. And it's kind of like once they kind of like get the hang of things, once they kind of like are pretty comfortable and familiar with kind of these, these, these protocols and the way that things actually kind of work, uh, moving on to Polka is kind of the, the, um, the, the next steps there. And so um, it, I would say it's this kind of like tiered approach of getting uh, familiar with the ecosystem. And that, that's kind of what I've seen a lot of people do. And so um, that, that kind of like intro to participation, I would say is kind of like, I would recommend people do that do that first, just to kind of like get familiar with things, um, and then they kind of move on to kind of this this other tier, I would say, of, of sorts. Sure. So I guess to modify what I said originally, a good on ramp then would be participating in Kusama, and then graduating or or moving on to um, to Polkadot once they've understood the ins and outs of the Kusama network. Yep. Awesome. Well, well, thank you very very much for joining me today. I'm going away with a very hopeful feeling based on learning some of the ways that I think NPOS is solving some of the frustrations that I've experienced firsthand as a, a smaller validator operator in the space. And thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I also really appreciate like all the content that you guys have been putting out, like blog posts and podcasts and, and newsletters and stuff. Like personally, I think more validators should should do these types of things like if they're interested in the space, if they're interested in kind of um, actively participating. It's like these things are what other people should do as well, like put out their thoughts, opinions, uh, tutorials, like perspectives. Um, these are, these things I think are, are best permeated throughout the, the community. So I, I appreciate what you guys have kind of been putting out there and I would encourage other people to, to do so as well. So. Thank you. It's always good to know that somebody's out there listening and, and reading. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you. Take care. I'd like to express my gratitude to Will for joining me. You can find out more about Polkadot, the nominated proof of stake protocol, and 1000 validators program at polkadot.network. We've got additional links and more in the show notes. Staking Defense is brought to you by Chainflow, a smaller, independent, and equitable Web3 infrastructure provider. Stake your tokens with Chainflow to help support this work and keep these conversations going. Learn how at chainflow.io slash staking. The series is produced by Luke Griffin. You can subscribe and follow us on Substack at stakingdefense.substack.com. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, keep Stake decentralized. Because if all we're doing with this crypto movement is rebuilding the same broken financial system we already have, then what's the point? <laughs>